Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, so the D-backs make that trade. Kyle Lewis, right-handed bat versus left-handed hitters. Maybe a little bit of DH for the D-backs. They make that move uh, with Seattle. So minor trade for the D-backs today, but that is the info that I can give you as I just checked in just a short time ago with the D-backs on, on what they expect to get out of the newly acquired outfielder Kyle Lewis. Let's talk about that game last night because that was man, that was some fun. Place was rocking. The Suns they 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 trounced on the Warriors again. And what was great about last night's game is what, what we talk about a lot. Like for the Suns to be really successful, other guys have to step up and take the pressure off of Devin Booker. Now Booker's very capable of doing what Steph Curry does and carrying a team on his back. Curry had fifty points though, and the Warriors lost. But what a game for campaign. This guy was 4 out of 17 from the field against Miami. He came out last night, 9 out of 17, 6 out of 10 from three-point range, a career-high 29 points, 7 assists, 2 turnovers, and, and he really did a good job running the offense, hitting big shots. Now remember, early in the first quarter, he got subbed out because he picked up a second foul about 3 minutes and 55 seconds into the game. He got a second foul. He comes out, Damian Lee comes in against his former team. So Payne's out for a while. So the fact that he came out of the game for a little while and still had a career game was a remark. That just goes to show you what a remarkable game that was for Cameron Payne. Cameron Payne, Gambo, had six threes in the game. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Payne, but there wasn't a warrior many times within six feet of him. No. So credit the Suns' offense for getting good open looks, but try to figure out what in the hell Steve Kerr's defense I, is doing out there. I he think was, that they want to trap the ball. The, the, I think they want to trap all the time. But the problem is that the Suns make you pay for that. Booker makes you pay. The Booker makes you pay. Booker you want to trap pay. Booker because there was a bunch of times, you know, that I when I when I when I looked at the game and I tried to say, okay, how was that three open? How was that? How did they, they get they get that three open? And a lot of it really is you trap in book, and then all of a sudden you you're swinging around and you find an open shooter like Damian Lee. I went to Damian Lee's three pointers last night. The, the second Damian Lee hit two back to back three pointers in the fourth quarter to put the game away. On one of them, they doubled DA. It wasn't Booker. They doubled DA. Dante DiVincenzo and Lamb on DA. That left Lee all alone in the corner. DA just swung the ball to Lee. He had like literally like, like, okay, let me line this thing up. Let me see. Okay. Wind blowing right there. Okay, now I'm going to take the shot. There was nobody near him because they doubled DA. They trapped Book. They doubled DA. They, you know, they. It was a poor job. And the Suns, they do when they're when the Suns are right, they make you pay for that because they're very good at swinging the ball and finding the opening guy. And in Monty Williams' offense, they're not going to tell. They're not going to tell a guy not to shoot the ball. Campaign, Damian Lee, Okoji. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're open, they expect you to take the shot. Yeah, and even if you're a guy like Tory Craig, and that's not his game, but Craig oftentimes finds himself wide open for three-point shots, and he was able to knock down three out of six last night, and that went a long way uh, into the Suns winning that game. It, it was an eight-point game, and the Lee, the Lee threes capped off, I think, a 12-2 run to put that game away, but the Warriors were hanging around, but Gamble, did you ever think for one second as good as Curry was last night that they were going to be able to overtake the Suns? I didn't, because the Suns, they couldn't stop the Suns no, the defense from scoring. And, and Kerr was pissed about it at, at halftime. I mean, you know, our, our, our good friend uh, Sedano asked him, like, hey, what are you going to do to get Steph some help offense- offensively? Kerr says, I'm not worried about our offense. I'm worried about our 
defense. We just gave up 72 points. So this Warrior team right now just not extending themselves and making the effort needed uh, to close out on shooters. And the Suns made him pay. Not only Payne, but Bridges last night. I mentioned Torrey Craig. And listen, when they were... When they went on that one and three road trip, the one game they won in Minnesota is when Bridges stepped up and had Bridges a monster had a huge game. offensive night. And, and what was the problem with Minnesota? They couldn't get stops. They were terrible. They were just terrible. Offensively, defensively, D'Lo was awful. You know, this Warriors team is just like, wow, you'll just, you watch them and like, yeah, they would never, I mean, they had, like, they would, Hanging around, if you think eight and ten is hanging around, they were always around eight or ten points, twelve points down. Eventually, the Suns got it up to eighteen after the back-to-back three-pointers by Damian Lee, and then they, you know, you saw Ish Wainwright come in and hits a three-pointer at the end of the game. I always, I always, some people, you just, do you tune out ever in the fourth quarter when they're up big? I, just, I, I don't know if I tune out. I, I mean, I never turn it off. I may start paying attention to Twitter on my phone, okay. on the couch. I'm always interested more in when, than I do. Yes. I'm always interested <laughs> into when, and when Monty empties the bench. When is Monty going to empty the When is he going to like, okay, this thing's over? So last night it wasn't until they put Ish Wainwright in. I think there was about cleared the bench 125 ish Wainwright came no. in like okay it was one thirty. it was 125 dude when Steph Curry's on the other team you're not going to that bench too early to, to empty yeah, it up I mean, you're I mean, up because, 117 to 99 I know but it, listen I but I, I'm just saying how coaches think yeah no, that's how you're thinking Steph Curry can score 12 points in about a minute and a half he's like okay there's a minute 25 <laughs> left I think we're safe here ish you can get in yeah, go. go ahead ish go ish go knock down a three and he did he did he knocked down a three it was a terrific game for the Suns Mikhail Bridges was great uh, all five starters in double figures. Da was okay, right? Fourteen and seven. He, he was. You know the thing about Da, and I, I, I found this pattern last year. He always has these good first quarters, and then like goes to the bench, and then like, they come back, and it seems like he's forgotten. He always seems to play well in the first quarter because they go to him. They go to him in the first quarter. Yeah, I, there was a, there was a play. So frustrating. Okay, you know what? Here's the here's the thing too. When you win a game one thirty to nineteen, when you are in control, and your point guard scores twenty nine, and your shooting guard scores twenty seven, and your small forward scores twenty three. There's, there's, what are the, are the Suns supposed to score 150? I mean, DA's gonna, DA's not gonna score DA that much. Four or six from the field. He had eight points in the first quarter. That's the thing. It was, other, he had eight in the first quarter. You're thinking, okay, now if you, eight times four, he's gonna go for 32. Okay, take seven off. He should go for 25. No, he doesn't. But what other, did he end up with? But other guys were scoring. It wasn't like they were having empty possessions. I know. There was one, one play in particular that caught my eye. Bridges had it in the corner. DA had his man pinned and sealed in the paint. Uh, for for a post move, all Bridges has to do is dump it to him, and then Da can either shoot a fadeaway like he likes, or he can spin baseline, maybe lay it in, maybe get fouled. What does Bridges do? He jacks up a three. What does it do? It goes right in. He swishes it from the corner, and I'm sure Da's like, I would have rather you dumped it into me, but I can't argue with you when you knock down a three pure from the corner. So that's what was happening last night. Payne and Bridges and Booker were scoring. You know, like I said. They scored 130. I mean, they supposed to score 160, so D.A. can also have 32 points. I mean, it's just on a night where everybody else is doing it, D.A.'s numbers are probably going to be lower because they were knocking down 52% of their threes or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, yeah it was, 52.5%. There you go. Yeah, a solid game all around.
all around for the Suns. Uh, great performances by Payne Bridges. They they shot the ball so well from three point range, and like you said, I mean that was a that was a big part of it. Steph has fifty, and they lose the game. I mean, even Tory Craig knocked down three three pointers in the game for the Suns. Their bench was better. Their starters were better, and I just don't know that I see the Warriors as a threat right now. I think when I look at the Warriors, I'm not so sure I see a team that right now. It's right now the way these two teams are constructed. I don't think the Warriors could beat the Suns in a seven game series. Now things may change. The Warriors may add some players or all of us, but the way Clay Thompson's playing, the way Draymond Green is playing, man, it is it is hard to look at that team right now and think that they're going to be able to get back to anything close to what they were last year. Clay is struggling to find his shot. Clay's, no question Clay's, about Clay's it. Bad. He's got good. They were they're good looks too, and he's not knocking them down. And Draymond Green, man, where was he in the first half last night? Was he even on the court? I, I mean, I mean, you barely even heard his name. You know, know. by the time he actually by the time he contributed, the game was already over. So, and their bench is not as good. Guys like Porter are gone, and Lee is gone, and they they they, and and Jordan Poole last night couldn't make a shot. He had two points. They're zero and eight at on the road. Yep. Now I'm not going to throw dirt on them yet, but boy, they don't look like they're anywhere close to being what they were last year. No, and that's the thing. You don't feel like that they've got the ability to to really turn that off. Unless, you know, listen, maybe they'll make a trade. Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day, Eddie Vedder, Weezer, The Offspring, and so much more returns to Tempe Beach Park February 25th and 26th. Tickets just went on sale. You can head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Who was the star of Episode 2 of Hard Knocks? We'll talk about that next on Arizona Zona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Alright, here's your injury report. Report it just came out for the Arizona Cardinals. We'll give that to you, then we'll talk about hard knocks. Alright. Buddha did not practice with the ankle. Zach Ertz, obviously out, did not practice. DeAndre Hopkins, hamstring injury, did not practice. DJ Humphreys, back injury, did not practice. Byron Murphy Jr., back injury, did, did not practice. Here's the guys that were limited. Max Garcia, Marcus Golden, Colt McCoy, Kyla Murray were all limited. Max with a shoulder, Marcus with uh, an illness, Colt with a knee, Kyla with a hamstring. Matt Prater was a full participant. So that is your Cardinals injury report right there. But Matt Prater was a full participant. Limited was Kyler, Colt, Marcus, and Max Garcia. Did not practice. Byron Murphy, DJ Humphreys, DeAndre Hopkins, Zach Ertz, Budabaker. There you go. Before we get to hard knocks, let me, yeah. let, me throw, let me throw one hypothetical at you. Now, they're different injuries, and obviously a hamstring can be tricky. But let's say McCoy and Murray are both like 85 90%. Who's the starting quarterback in Monday night? McCoy. Kyla's not. You'd go. You'd go with. You'd Kyla, rather go with a banged up McCoy than a banged up. Can Kyla run? If he's limited in running, risky. if he's limited with his running, and you're going to have to devise a game plan that 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 takes away his ability to run, I go with Cole McCoy. So if Kyler can run, I go Kyler. I'm going to base this all on the running. What makes Kyler special, what makes Kyler unique is his running, especially this year because the passing hasn't been great. Yeah, but he doesn't run. I mean, at times he does. I, I, well, not enough for my liking. Um, it, it's interesting that you say that because I'm not sure you're wrong. In fact, you might very well be right. 
but you paid the guy $240 million? I'm trying to win a football game, man. I don't care about that. I'm trying to win a football well, game. But, I'm, but, but big picture-wise, that is a scary That's a scary proposition when you're like, the, the backup quarterback at 80% gives us a better chance to win a football game than our $240 million not ideal. quarterback gives us a better chance yeah, listen, it's to not, win a game. It's not ideal. Not ideal at all. I get it, but that's that's the world we live in right now. And I think that if if, if you feel that Kyler, Kyler that Colt McCoy gives you the best chance to win, then you go Colt McCoy. I mean, I think that's just the way you got to go. All right, let's talk about hard knocks. What were you? What was your biggest takeaway from last night's episode? Well, I, I, first of all, I, I thought the first episode was was better, more entertaining, maybe a little more. Uh, Juice to it, if you will, but from a television production standpoint, I, I I thought it was really well done. I thought they they moved with the news nicely that Buda Baker suddenly is going to play. They weren't planning on that. Kyler's hamstring was essentially covered. The show began uh, with that. They obviously featured Kelvin Beecham and and Colt McCoy and Lasita Smith and even J.J. Watt, Steve Kime a little bit. Uh, I was not shocked that the Eno thing did not make it into this week's episode. I expected because it happened essentially late in the ramp. Game would be part of next week's storyline that he was released on Monday. But I got to tell you, a couple things jumped out at me. Colt McCoy in the quarterback room. Boy, if, if you didn't know who was who and you had to ask, you were to be asked after watching that scene, who's the coach in this scene? I think 99.9% of the people would say Colt McCoy is the coach. Impressive leadership the week before the game and then obviously once the game began. Colt McCoy showed me a lot. This past week. Yeah, there was a lot of things that stood out. I mean, obviously, the Lasita Smith starting and having to go up against Aaron Donald, taking him through that journey, this nervous rookie that's got to go face Aaron Donald as a first career, Aaron Donald did a first career start, then they're, they're at the restaurant, hey, we just got to get him to calm down, and just, the, you could just tell, right? I mean, this is player, like, I wasn't expecting to play this year, and, and here he is, and you're going to go up against Aaron Donald, hey, good luck, kid, like, right. I, I, I got a kick out of that whole lead up to it. And then they, you know, Lasita Smith probably didn't see this. But Hard Knocks showing two minutes of Donald just killing quarterbacks and offensive linemen was <laughs> was quite the element in that that show last night. But yeah, yeah you know, and listen, they, they they obviously fought. The narrative was backups for the Cardinals. Smith and Colt McCoy tried to take this team on the road and get a win to at least temporarily save their season. And the fact that. Smith had a great game. I mean, he really did. I mean, here's a guy on record saying in this show that he didn't expect to play this year. Now he's going out there trying to yeah. trying to stop Aaron you Donald, see, and he did the, a good job. He did a good job. But, you know, in a lot of those plays, they showed the help that he got, too. They showed the help that he was getting, you know, in blocking Aaron Donald, so it wasn't him on Aaron Donald the entire time. Beecham did a good job in that game. That was a lot of fun, too. I mean, at Beecham, I, got a, I might have an appendix issue. Yeah, I ate too much popcorn. And ended up being a guy who ate too much popcorn. So they showed that was kind of humorous. They showed that. I thought the Colt McCoy stuff was real good. Him talking about, you know, I got to get the ball out quick. I got to get out in 1.5 seconds. Seconds and then, you know, on game day, you just heard them talk about the, a master class in execution with how quickly he got the ball. They even panned to Antonio Hamilton talking to teammates about how Colt was getting the ball out quick. Saying, look, that's why this guy's been in the league so long. Look at him. I mean, so as a defense, you know, you can't get to him. You can't get to him. Like, there's no one, two, three, pass. Like, one, two, pass. Like, he was getting it so quickly that, the, you know, you weren't able to have a great game by Aaron Donald in that Rams defense. And after the Rondell Moore conversion on th- uh, fourth, and three yeah, down the sidelines. Yeah, they, they did highlight that. Play. And then Steve Kime in the in the suite with Mike Bidwell saying, man, that was a gutsy call. I think he used a different word than gutsy, but I 
Don't think I can say it on the radio. Uh, but that was a good reaction in real time from Steve Kime on a. It really was. That was a gutsy call by Kingsbury right there. Yeah. I mean, to, to convert that four and three, th- fourth and three, throwing down the sidelines to Rondell Moore. And then I got a really, I really got a kick at the end of the game. Sean McVay's just trying to get off the field and he exchanges pleasantries with Colt McCoy. And Colt like wanted to rub it and, in. And Colt, and Colt wanted to have like a conversation with McVay. You, we just beat your ass and we didn't have any offensive he's like, linemen. He's like, hey, we finally got Donald blocked and McVay's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. hey, we were, hey, hey we by had, the way, we were playing four backups. Yeah, on, yeah he's like, McVay's like, yeah, I know, Colt. By the way, our backup's better than your backup because I played a hell of a lot better than your guy. Did. Like, yeah, it was almost, that was, yeah, that was absolutely. I mean, I kept saying McVay, like, I want to leave. I want to, I'm trying right, to go. Trying I'm trying to, to go. Guys. But it's funny because like, like McVeigh didn't know they were playing four backups on the offensive line. Like, like he needed to hear that from McCoy after the game. But I think Colt was just all giddy and jacked up and was like, "Hey, you know, we had four backups." Yeah, dude, I know, I know. The the Buddhist <laughs> stuff was just like, uh, like old, like he's going to be out three, two to three weeks. He'll be out two to three weeks. He's he's going to be out. And then Buddha's like, "Man, they think I'm going to be out three weeks." Uh, Kimes like, "Yeah, but you're built different." And then Friday he's on the practice field, and he's like, "Man, if it's just hurting me a little bit, I'm in there." And then game day, there he is. And it's like, wow. And then the goes cut to the broadcast crew and like, can't believe this guy's playing. And so, you know, that was pretty good too. Listen, this is not, this is built for the NFL fan, not just the Cardinal fan, but it is yes. built for the NFL fan. Next week, apparently, we are going to get some more insight into the Eno Benjamin cut. I don't know how much we'll see, if we'll see the confrontation with the coach, if we'll see what really happened and, you know, how they cut him. Because if, if you get to them cutting him, they're going to have to give him the reasons why like can't have this type of behavior we can't have this and you know you're not gonna be like hey we gotta let you go thanks good luck everything like that no you'll probably get into the reason as to why you cut him now not everything is out there not everybody knows everything with that story but so it's still be interesting to see if hard knocks is able to get all of the details on it now i know some of the details are out but i'm telling you there's a little more to the story that's not out there yet a couple things to keep in mind even though they have a ton of cameras out there nfl films and the hard knocks production team doesn't mean they actually had a camera on Eno when he went off late in the Rams game to an assistant coach. So just because it's not shown, it it doesn't mean the Cardinals squashed it or it's propaganda. Hard Knocks may just not have captured it when it happened. They may not actually have the footage of it happening. What they would potentially have or could be invited into is you know how in the hard knocks during the training camp when a rookie gets cut the, the cameras are always there yes. and the GM and the coach are sitting there hey Steve there's no easier way to say it but yeah, uh, right. and the guys are like, oh, going thank, thank you so much for this opportunity so they conceivably could have Steve letting go of Eno and telling him why they're letting him go that's where I wonder if the Cardinals would squash that and not want it out there. The story's going to be told. But do they have it's the video? Just, it would probably be to protect the kid. So, like, that doesn't become a big... Because that, you know... But he's already got a job again. He's already got a job again. But still, you just want to protect his... You want to protect him a little bit, probably. You know, because again, I mean, I think if everything comes out, people will be like, okay, I mean, I understand. I understand. Look, the Cardinals, the Cardinals didn't go into that game saying, oh, I hope we get to cutting no Benji. He's that number two running back. They didn't want to have to cut him. They had to cut him. And so what if, if Hard Knocks is able to put everything out there, I think a lot of people will see like, okay, I get it. That's that, that they were justified and why they had to let him go. Well, in six days, we will definitely come hell or high water, know something more about what went down. And I'll say this before we hit the break. The absolute stones on Eno Benjamin to complain about 
personal playing time and touches after his team gets the biggest win of the season. Incredibly selfish. I can understand why the Cardinals were pissed. Big report on Jay Crowder possibly be traded last night. We'll give you the ins and outs and tell you if there was any truth to that next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So last night, right, I think like right uh, after the game, it might have came out that J- Jake Fish, who does a good job, senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports, um, put out a tweet that, and this was, let me see if I can get the time frame on this. So it was about ten fourteen last night. Because Mark Stein said there's been some credible rumbles this week. Sons have made progress on finding a trade resolution for Jay Crowder. Uh, Crowder's cryptic Instagram story appears to address to feed into that notion. Jake Fisher responded at 1014 last night. Word is the Suns appeared close to finalizing a three-team trade involving Jay Crowder prior to tip-off tonight against Golden State. Now, I can tell you what Jake was working on was something that had Eric Gordon... Uh, coming to the Phoenix Suns, uh, Jay Crowder going to Milwaukee, Landry Shamit and Grayson Allen, plus two Milwaukee second round picks going to um, Houston, and George Hill would be in the deal too for the for the Phoenix Suns. So the Suns would have gotten Gordon and Hill. Crowder goes to Milwaukee, Shamit and Allen, and two Milwaukee seconds to Houston. Now. You know, and this stuff comes down from reputable people, reputable people that do a good job, like Jake Fisher. I, I obviously have to do my homework and check on it and make the calls and do everything I can. Now, what I can tell you that there is, there was nothing to it. Okay, that may have came from an agent or somebody else, but the Suns were never involved in that. The Suns do not have interest in Eric Gordon right now. That's not a target for them. Um, this is news to them. But the Suns were not involved in any possible three-way trade. Now, this because Jake's a you know quality guy and does a good job. This kind of had some legs and took off last night, but I, I can tell you that Eric Gordon is not a target for Phoenix and that the Suns were never involved at any point in a three-way deal. So if this came from somebody, it might have been an agent trying to stir things up. I imagine Jay's agent's trying to push the button a little bit here to kind of get things moving. Um, I do think Milwaukee wants Crowder. I do. Um, and maybe somebody from there kind of put this out there. But no, the Suns were not involved on this at any level. And the guy that they had coming back to Phoenix is not somebody that I am going to say that the Phoenix Suns are interested in. Well, Fisher's exact tweet was, word is the Suns appeared close. So this is not, this is not, hey, Milwaukee's close or Houston's close and they're just trying to get Phoenix on board. I mean, this is Jake reporting the Suns are close. And then through your additional reporting, you find out that they're not close. And it's not true. It's just not true. And it's It's not, so you you know, you're left to believe, as as a, you know, NBA consumer or fan, you're kind of like, man, if, if you know this tweet is wrong or this information is wrong. I mean, how much is other information wrong? Well, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And that's that's why it's frustrating. Yeah, that's why. Listen, I mean, I'm dialed in with several teams in the league where I can go to certain teams in this league and have a lot of people that know me and trust me and have known me for a long time and will 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 set, you know, give it to me straight. And then, you know, I've got connections here as well. So, you know, I'm very, very confident that, you know, all the information I get is true because it's a it's relationship based. It's not it's built on 
years and years and years of, of knowing somebody and trusting somebody and them, you know, just trying to steer you in the right direction. So listen, I've been asked about Eric Gordon for a long time, for a long time. I've been reporting about Eric Gordon since 10 years for 10 years. You know, I have, I mean, for, you know, for a long time, I've been talking about Eric Gordon. So last, um, Last on June twenty third, you know, I I reported that the Rockets want a first round pick back for Eric Gordon. That the owner in Houston loves him, so they may help him go somewhere he wants. That they didn't want to leave last season because he was comfortable in Houston. But then I also reported, you know, earlier earlier in in January that the Suns were not interested in Eric Gordon on January twenty eighth last year, January twenty eighth or this year, January earlier January. I said I do not see Eric Gordon as an option for them. Now, Mark Stein had had reported at that point that the Suns, you know, could be looking at some players, and uh, but I was able to tell you that, no, the Suns do not have interest in Eric Gordon. So in January, they had no interest in him. And maybe because he had a year left on his contract, besides what was left last year. But they did have no interest in him. The last time that I know the Suns had interest in Eric Gordon is when I reported on July 3rd of 2012 that the Suns were highly likely to make Eric Gordon a max offer. Now, eight days later on July 11th, I reported that the Suns did make an offer sheet to Eric Gordon for four years and $58 million. That's the last time that I know that the Suns had real interest in Eric Gordon, 2012. This year in January, they didn't. And I'm being told again that the Suns do not have interest in Eric Gordon. And that's the thing. I mean, their needs this year are different than their needs. They need a wing. Jan- they need a they wing. They need a wing. And they need a guy who can score off the bench. They need. Look, can't, he can score off the bench. Can't be right. Well. That's why I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Gordon makes more sense this year than last year. Last year they had Cam Johnson to come off the bench and shoot the three from the wing. They don't have a guy like that this year. Scor- scoring from that bench is an issue right now for the Suns. If you're talking about getting to the NBA Finals, they need another guy to come in and put the ball in the basket in addition to campaign coming off that bench. In a perfect world, it could have been Jay Crowder. It's obviously not going to be Jay Crowder. They have to go out and get that guy. Now, Gordon is a two-guard. So if you want a wing for defensive purposes, he may not check that box. He checks the offensive side. He can stand out there and knock down a three. In fact, he had five in a game last week. So he can still do that, even though he's 33 and on the, uh, you know, the twilight of his career. But they need somebody. So they're going to trade for somebody, Gambo. If it's not Eric Gordon, it will be somebody. It we don't know somebody. who. We don't know when. I would just, the only thing that I'm able to gauge now is I expect, and I wouldn't say take this to the bank, but I would expect that it is going to be a wing player. I would expect that it's not going to be a guard or a center, that they are looking for a wing player. That's what I would think it's going to be. And I think, listen, whether it comes now or in December, I'm not sure. I mean, we do know that in the middle of December, uh, about a third of the league that's not available to be traded now will be available then. So um, so you will have more opportunities for different players at that time. And I think they're certainly waiting for that. I'd be shocked if you were dealt before December 15th. Why, why, I mean, at this point, what, what hurry are you in? You're winning games without Crowder. You're going to get Cam Johnson back eventually here. You're going to get Chris Paul back. Wait for the best deal possible. And if there's more players at your disposal to bring in here after the 15th, why not wait? And then on top of that, by the time January rolls around, some teams are going to figure out we're not going anywhere. Everybody kind of still thinks that, yeah, hey, you know, we're doing all right. We can be in the playoffs. But by late January, 
Other teams might be more willing to dump somebody for, no, for, lo- for an expiring contract. The longer you wait, the more teams may get desperate. The more You may have an injury where a player goes down and you feel... Now, the Suns have had the injury. They had the player go down, but they haven't panicked. Cam Johnson, they've, they've had a bunch of games now without Cam Johnson, and but James Jones doesn't panic. He believes in his roster. He believes he'll win enough games without Cam Johnson, and he has. like He has. like you know, they're, they're playing pretty good basketball without him. They'll probably hang around 500. They're about 500. That was a nice win against Golden State. They, 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 they lost the they, Miami game. They beat. Uh, I mean, they, they beat lost Milwaukee. two in a row. They lost three out of four they without two Cam. And two. I think they're. I think they're three and two without Cam. I think they're three and two. Might be three and three, but I, I think it's three and two. But either way, they played five at least five games without Cam Johnson. They're not panicking and making a deal. They're waiting for the right trade. Now James is not about winning the trade player for player. He's about what's the best fit for my team. And if he feels the best fit is somebody uh, that isn't going to be available to the middle of December, he'll wait till the middle of December. It's not a rush. It's not panicking. I thought James Jones doesn't panic. He's not going to say, oh, my God, i got to get a player. Cam Johnson's out. Well, let's hurry and make a trade right away. No. He's not like he is really bright and really good at this, and he'll end up making a really good trade for the Phoenix Suns. And if it takes longer than expected, listen, the bottom line is the, the player that they're going to get, is it's more important that they help, that that guy helps him in March and April and May than helps him in November and December. Agreed? That's why I answered the poll question. I wouldn't be surprised if this thing went down after the holidays, after Christmas after the first of the year. Would not be shocked one bit. I know they're not in a hurry to get Jay Crowder back on the court to help his ass, right? It's about, it's about getting the best deal possible to help the Suns fortify or refortify that bench for another playoff run. That's all that matters to James Jones and the Suns. All right, a couple other things we want to hit on before we get you out of here. The D-backs make a trade today. I'll tell you what it means for their uh, their outfield and the uh, the Cardinals and that game against the 49ers. There's some playoff hope percentages out that we'll hit on, too. That's coming up next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Local teams in action. ASU against Michigan. College basketball. Is that underway yet? No, that's not. That's after we end. Okay. That starts at 7.30. And then Michigan's ranked 20th in the country. So it's an opportunity tonight for uh, the Sun Devils, for sure. And then you've got the Coyotes and the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Phil Kessel, former uh, Coyote in action tonight against his former team. So you'll have a little Coyotes action tonight as well. So that's what you've got going on tonight. You've got the Coyotes and you've got the ASU basketball team in action. All right, I do want to hit on this. The D-backs make a trade. The Mariners and the D-backs have agreed on a trade. Outfielder Kyle Lewis is coming to Arizona, and outfielder Cooper Hummel is going to Seattle. It's a one-for-one trade. I checked on this earlier, just right, right as it came down. What I'm being told is that, that Kyle Lewis will be a right-handed hitter versus left-handed pitching and maybe some DH for the D-backs. So they like him a little bit. Four years of experience, not a ton. Has struggled, though, in his career against against left-handed pitching. But they look him as a right-handed bat against left-handed pitching and possibly some DH. Now, the D-backs do have four left-handed hitting outfielders. So getting a right-handed one in there, especially after they let Stone Garrett go, was important to them. Corbin Carroll's a lefty. Dalton Varsho's a lefty. Alec Thomas is a lefty. Jake McCarthy's a lefty. I reported this the other day. The Demon, Corbin Carroll's untouchable. 
And Jake McCarthy doesn't look like he would go anywhere. The Diamondbacks are open to listening to teams that would call on either Varsho or Alec Thomas. Doesn't mean they're going to trade him. And I'd have to be absolutely blown away to do a deal. But they've got four left-handed hitting outfielders. If somebody was able to give them an everyday third baseman or, you know, a great pitcher, they could be inclined to move one of those two. But if they do move one of their four outfielders, it would either be Alec Thomas or Dalton Varsho. It would definitely not be Corbin Carroll, and I highly doubt that it would be Jake McCarthy, just because I don't think a lot of teams look at Jake and say, oh, I'm going to give up a lot for that guy. I hope they don't trade any of them. I like them all, but one of them might be able to fetch you something that you need, since you've got a surplus of outfielders. A little bit of a log gem there, Gamble. A little bit of a log gem. Kyle, you, could, you could play those four guys and get them all plenty of playing time. I, I love the speed, the defense, and you always got to figure somebody's going to get hurt and miss time, so I, I hope they keep all four. I really do. You know, Kyle Lewis was a former top 11 draft pick in 2016, first round pick, and he came in with a lot of promise, doing my little homework on him now, and AL Rookie of the Year, I'm reading, so that, but this is a guy that his numbers last year were awful. Now, I don't know how much of that was injury related. So maybe you buy, you buy, you know, you buy at the right price. And maybe, maybe there, here's a guy with all kinds of natural ability, maybe a, maybe a fresh start would do him some good. But I'd love to find out for Mike Hazen in the spring, obviously, when they're available again. Like, what, what are the plans for Lewis? Is he, is he just a piece? Or do you really think this guy could be in the in the rotation in 2023 in the outfield? Yeah, we'll see. And then the other thing I had mentioned is that Zach Gallen, who's got three years of control left, the problem with a lot of people have asked me, are they going to be able to get a deal done with Gallen? And the answer is no. And the simple reason why, his agent is Scott Boris. And with Scott Boris as your agent, he's going to play that thing right up to free agency in three years. Zach Gallen will be 30 years old and he'll try to cash in with that monster deal. Instead of doing a deal... Now, where you know, you know, the Diamondbacks could buy out some arbitration years and some free agency years. You do a deal that works for both teams. Scott Boris doesn't usually do a deal that works for both. He usually does a deal that works for his client. So that's where I don't really see anything happening there. Oh, he also, by the way, also tonight you got the Titans and the Packers. I forgot to mention that. If you want a little Thursday night football, Titans and the Packers at Lambeau Field. That is on uh, Prime Video and NFL Plus, so you can watch that. Uh, hope that the Packers lose. That would help the Cardinals if the Cardinals are able to beat the 49ers. So that is everything that's going on tonight. Let's talk a little bit about the playoff standings. There were some projections that were made uh, by, the, by NFL.com. I was looking at uh, the, the rankings, Pro Football Focus, NFL.com, and you know what's at stake this week and everything. And their projections in the NFC are pretty, pretty simple. Eagles, Vikings, Seahawks, Bucks as your champs, and then your wild card, Giants, Cowboys, 49ers, which would mean three NFC East teams in the playoffs. It's even worse than the AFC, where they've got the Bills, the Dolphins, the Patriots, and the Jets all making the playoffs. Four teams from the AFC East making the playoffs is their projection right now. Cardinals' chances, they pegged their card, the Cardinals' chances at, and I was just looking at it here, 6.8%. 6.8%. Now, that will jump significantly if they beat the 49ers. Of course. And the 49ers' chances will drop quite a bit. Right now, the 49ers, they've got an 81% chance of making the playoffs. Um, the computer projecting this says the 49ers will finish two games ahead of Washington in a race for the NFC's final spot. The 49ers could go to bed on Monday night in first place in the division. Bottom line, the, the Seahawks are off on Sunday, so they can't win a game. They're 6-4. and four. 49ers beat the Cardinals. 
then they are favored to do so. If they win, they'll be 6-4. and four. They beat the Seahawks in their one meeting so far in 2022. So, having said that, yes, while the projections right now are for the Seahawks to win the division, as they are for every current division leader to win the division, to me... The San Francisco 49ers are going to be the team to beat down the stretch, and I expect them. I don't know what's going to happen on Monday night. I still have hope that maybe the Cardinals can play a whale of a football game. They would have to get to out, get out of there with a win. That may be wishful thinking, but the 49ers, if they win this game on Monday, they will be it, they'll be tied record wise. But gun to your head, would anybody pick the Seahawks to win that division at that point going forward if they're both six and four? No, I would pick the four. I think I, I would, would pick too. the 49ers all along. Yeah, Look, four, like too. Packers lose tonight and they're four and seven, you got to think they're done. Cardinals lose Monday and they're four and seven, you got to think they're done. I mean, the thing that to, to me after the Seattle game, the reason why I, I, I kind of, you know, wrote the Cardinals off is just because I think that the hill was too big to climb. Because after the Seattle game, it was, you got to win six out of eight. To get to nine wins, you got to win six out of eight. You look at the schedule and you try to say, okay, can the Cardinals only lose two out of eight games down the stretch? It seemed really hard. Now they got to win over the Rams, so now you're like, okay, just five out of eight. Okay, they, they beat the Rams. Now that's you lose this game and you fall three games under five hundred. You know, now you're talking about you. You know, there's what, what would that be? That would be um, four and seven with six to play. It's the math just doesn't work. I mean, well, the math the math you does go work, five but, and you, one. Yes, but you got to go five and one you or five six and, and one. And that's that's what the gut punch of the Seahawks game was, Gambo, because he said to yourself, "Geez, if they can't beat this team at home in a must win game, how are they ever going to go on a roll?" Yeah, and that's why this game is going to be so important. All right, Ringer, thanks for filling in. We appreciate it. You'll be in for me next Wednesday when I'm off. Burnsy will be back tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We'll be back 2 o'clock sharp tomorrow. Have a good night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.